Now, I'm going to preface, before we get into anything, I'm going to preface it, preface, whatever. I'm going to clarify this. This will either be the best lesson you've ever heard, or this will be the dumbest idea I've ever come up in the history of dumb ideas. But you'll remember it. <laughs> it's good to see you this morning, all of you. Isn't God good? It's good to be here today. Pray for my marriage, please. I got up this morning, got dressed, and put on my favorite vest. My wife was getting ready in the back of the house, and when she uh, stepped out and saw me, she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to church. She said, you're not going to church looking like that. I said, yeah. And she got real serious, and she said, babe, you look like a moron. You cannot wear that to church. And I said, well, babe, it goes with my lesson, and I've got to have it this morning. So under threat of pains of death, I get to wear this for first word, and then it comes off, okay? So, Pastor, you can breathe a sigh of relief. I will not be on your platform in camo this morning. <laughs> so, we're going to start a new series next week. We're going to enter into that series, dealing with our marriages, relationships, through the month of February. It's going to be a great series. But for today... We're going we're gonna to do a one-shot lesson here, and I want to talk to us this morning on overcoming temptation. Overcoming temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says this, uh, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. According to the internet, if you look up temptation, Wikipedia says that temptation is a desire to engage in short-term urges for enjoyment that threatens, notice this, your long-term goals. Webster defines it as the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. Now, according to the scripture that we just read, the word of the Lord says that there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. What that scripture is saying is that there is nothing under the sun that you're struggling with that mankind has not struggled with. So the good news is, whatever hang-up you have, whatever issue you're dealing with, whatever flaw you're struggling with, and we all have them, we all have the things that we're susceptible to. But understand this, there's nothing that is blowing God's mind. He created you, He formed you, He knows your makeup, and He knows what you and I struggle with. So, if we know we're all going to face temptation, and we know that there are going to be times in life when we're, when we're tempted in certain areas, my question is, how in the world do we overcome temptation? 
Because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I want to live a godly life. I want to do it his way, not my way. We've talked about that. And part of living his way and living a godly life is overcoming the temptations in my life. I've got to get where I'm not struggling in in a roller coaster ride. The goal is to grow in God to the point that I become or I grow to the place where I'm making it above the things that pull me down. James 1 and 14 says, But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Every man is tempted when the things your flesh desires begins to pull at you and to entice you. I want you to hang on to that word, entice, because that's going to be an important word in a little while. Everybody's going to struggle with it. Nobody's going to be exempt from it. So how we handle this, how we handle temptation is very, very important. I'm going to say this right now. There are three common areas that you're going to find in our society today that people struggle in. And you can break most things that people struggle to down into three categories. Money, sex, and power. Those three things are big, hot-button issues in your and my life. Well, I don't know if I believe that. If you struggle with power, it does not necessarily mean that you're looking to be the king or the president. But if you want to control everything, that can lead you down a dark road. I'm going to give you an example when we talk about money. So finances get tight. Money gets tight. And all of a sudden, you and your spouse are fighting. And, and, and things are not well in the home. If you're not careful, that opens up a door for something to walk in and destroy your marriage. There are things in our life that we're going to have to manage. We're going to have to manage the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Jesus was tempted in these three areas. We find in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, that Jesus had been fasting in the wilderness for 40 days, and he was tempted of of Satan. And Satan began to appeal to his basic fleshly desires. He comes to Jesus and he says, well, if you're really the son of God, let's turn these stones into bread. I know you're hungry. I know you're He's appealing to the, to the flesh. And Jesus rebuts him with the word. And he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then Satan begins to try another angle. He takes him, and he takes him to the holy city, to the pinnacle of the temple, and he says, cast yourself down, for it's written that he'll give his angels charge concerning you, and they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus again said to him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And so Satan again takes him, and, and, and every area is, is, is trying to find another weakness, another vulnerability. 
something. I'll go at him for his desires of his flesh. And when that doesn't work, I'll come at him and I'll try to push him or tempt him to a moment of anger. And then he takes him and he takes him to a high mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, all this is yours if you'll just bow down and worship me. What's he doing? He's trying to appeal to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Why? Because those areas are what trip men and women up on a daily basis. He went after him in his flesh. And he began to try to drill down and find a weakness. Okay, what, what do you struggle with? Is it what you see? Maybe you're like Samson and you, you struggle with your eyes always being where they shouldn't be. You struggle with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. What, what, he, he's good at finding your weakness. Now, for the moment you've all been waiting for to answer the questions that you all have, why am I dressed like this? Why are there ducks on the platform? What has this possibly got to do with overcoming temptation? Well, it's kind of like this. I like to duck hunt. It's kind of been something that I've enjoyed doing since I was 12 years old. And they don't, Arkansas is known, in case you didn't know this, I'm going to give you a quick little lesson on Arkansas history. Arkansas is known for its duck hunting. Matter of fact, Stuttgart is called the duck hunting capital of the world. Thank you, sir. And another word, if you will, for duck hunting is simply called fowling. They call them waterfowlers. Now, the whole premise behind being a fowler is simply this. I have got to create an environment that manipulates the thing that I am chasing and entices it to come to me. I create a false world. I create something that does not exist, but it appears to show a place of safety and a place of security and a place that, that, you can, that you can find companionship and comfort and you can find all the things that we look for in life. I'm showing that and I'm portraying that to this bird that I want to catch. Something you need to know about fowlers, we study the weather religiously. I'm going to play the wind to a certain advantage because I know that those birds light into the wind. So if I'm going to create something, I'm going to try to make it look as realistic as possible. I'm going to try to make it appear as safe as it can possibly be. And the whole time my intent is to blast that bird out of the sky. Now, for all of you that may be wondering, this year, Clark County, the birds are living they, they have learned to overcome temptation. Let me just put that out there. Me and Brother Kyle and Brother Jeremy can, t can attest to this. There are some really spiritually healthy fowl that are flying 
around your community. That ought to make you feel a lot better. But just as I am trying my best to trip that fowl up, I want that duck to come to me. I want him to think, man, that's my girlfriend down there. You see her over there? Look at her. It's the biggest mallard hen I've ever seen in my life. So he cuffs up and he comes in. And the whole time I'm standing behind a tree thinking, come on, just a little closer. Just a little bit closer. Why? Because my intent is to destroy him. I want to put him in a pot of gumbo. I want to, I, I, you know, I want to make some duck poppers on the grill out of him. But I'm appealing to the things that he deals with every day. And I'm creating for him an environment. You know why that's on a pedestal? So it'll move. So from the air, it looks like it's alive. I'll spare your ears. You know what that is? Those are calls. I'll use that to sound like a duck because I want it to look real. I want it to sound real. I want there to be the right amount of movement. Why? Because I want to capture the prize. And you need to understand something. Your enemy is after your soul. He wants to create something that pulls you in to the point that entices you to get close enough that you mess up and he can destroy you. He'll create an atmosphere that looks like it's a safe environment. He'll tell you everything that you want to hear. He'll make it look like it is going to be something that's going to last and something that is going to be fulfilling, and it's going to fulfill your every desire. But it's all designed to destroy you. I love the Word of God because when you begin to dive into it, when you begin to look at it, when you begin to... You can find something that applies to your life in many ways. I began to look and study out about fowlers, especially in biblical times. Proverbs 6 and 5 says this, Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Psalms 91 and 3 says this, For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. Psalms 124 and 7 says, Our soul has escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Over and over and over again, Scripture references the snare of the fowler. What is the, what, what, what is the snare of that we're talking about. It's the environment that pulls you in and traps you to the place that you're helpless. I want you to understand something. What they would do in biblical times was pretty brutal. That fowler would take a bird and he would literally sew that bird's eyes shut and place him out there so he would look real 
He's walking around. He looks like things are safe. That bird would begin to squawk because it can't see, and it would begin to draw others. You need to understand something. Your enemy is a cold, calculated, and cruel enemy. I've heard it said all my life, and it's true. Sin will take you further than you want to go, and it will keep you longer than you ever want to stay. And it doesn't matter if, you're, if this is your first Sunday or you've lived for God for, for, for 50 years. You need to make sure in life that I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not slipping up and falling into an environment that could be my ruin. I thought it was so interesting when they were talking about how the fowler would take the bird and he would take its ability to see away. It's exactly what the enemy did with Samson. Samson always has a problem with looking where he shouldn't. Read his story and read his account. And Samson saw a woman in Timnath. Samson saw a woman of the Philistines. Samson turns aside to see the carcass of the lion that God has already given him the victory over. And the sad part about it is, ladies and gentlemen, he broke his covenant not when he was laying his head on the lap of Delilah, but when he turned around to see what God had already given him the victory over in the lion. Because he was a Nazarite. He wasn't supposed to eat of anything that was unclean. Yet you read of Samson. He turned to look at the lion. And when he saw that there was honey in the carcass, he took the honey and began to eat it. His downfall wasn't immediate. But that one act broke his vow and sent him on a downward spiraling course. I've got to be careful that what God has given me the victory over, I don't turn around. And Another thing those fowlers would do is they would take slime and pitch and sticks and they would scatter it along the ground. And they would intermingle it with the feed and they would create an atmosphere that said, hey, this is, this is a safe place. This is a comfortable place. This is a place where you can go and you can, you, you, can, you can find fellowship and you can hang out and you can spend time and it's a safe place. But the fact of the matter is, is while the bird was eating and he was walking on the pitch and the sticks, they were compounding and building up around that bird's feet, weighing him down to the point that when it came time to fly, he couldn't get clearance off the ground. He was hobbled by the weight that was on him. Temptation, the enemy, overcoming that. The adversary is real, 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 real good when you make a mistake of making you feel so heavy with guilt and condemnation that you're unlovable, that you're unworthy, that there's nothing of value in you. You can be in church and you can want to fly. You can want to soar spiritually and you feel like you can't move because you're weighted down. What's happened? The adversary has burdened you. But before you buy into the lie of, well, I'm beyond God's touch. I'm beyond deliverance from this. I'm beyond being able to break the yoke of addiction. I'm beyond the, the yoke of being able to break pornography hold in my life. And I'm beyond the, 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 
the hand of God being able to break me to the point where I'm not lying. I'm not lying in my marriage. I'm not lying in my home. My Bible says that we have a high priest that you can go to. You can come boldly into his presence. And you can begin to lay yourself down. You can begin to humble yourself. And you can begin to repent of all that stuff. And God will pick you up. And he will begin to lift the heaviness off of you. What does he say? He said, take my yoke upon you. My burden's light. My yoke is easy. What's he saying there? He says, you come to me loaded down and burdened with the things because of choices and because of decisions and because of, uh, of bad calls. And he says, I come in and I begin to lift that off of you. I'm going to give you some things to look for. We're talking about overcoming temptation. I'm thankful that if you've messed up, God's grace is still sufficient. He's faithful and just to forgive us. But I want to see us rise above it. So I'm going to begin to talk about some things that you need to be aware of just in your everyday life. One of the first things that, that a fowler is going to have is he's going to have camouflage. You see, camouflage allows me to fool the fowl's sight, rendering them unable to see me hiding. I want to tell you something about this, too. A duck hunter does not like a cloudy day. A duck hunter likes a sunshiny day. Because when you have sun, you have shadows. And I can hide in the shadows. That tells me that when the sun is shining in my life and everything's going great and everything's looking good and it's easy for me to let off my prayer life and easy for me to let go of some of the things that I normally would be doing, reading the Word and trying to stay connected because life's going good, you need to understand something. When you're in the sunshine of your life, there are some shadows and camouflage works its best in the shadow. Book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 says this, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The Lord had told Adam and Eve, You can have anything in this garden you want, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it, because the day you eat of it is the day you're going to die. But the serpent was more subtle. What does that mean? He was good at blending into his environment. And Eve is just living life, carrying on about her day. When she comes in contact with something that looks like it belongs in the garden, something that appears to be natural in that state. But it was deceiving because while it looked like a healthy environment, it was anything but a healthy environment. What I'm telling you is, there is never a time when I can neglect my walk with God, my everyday 
relationship with God and expect to be able to fend off temptation. Sunday and Wednesday won't cut it. Because if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm living for God on a Sunday and a Wednesday basis, we don't have relationship. We're acquaintances. And what allows me to overcome temptation in the things of this world is relationship. My wife is very wise. I thank God for my wife. Because there are things in life that I can see sometimes and I can not see a certain pitfall, Brother Moss, in an area. And my wife can say, hey, that don't look right to me. Now, I value her opinion because we have relationship. She's my helpmate. She's my spouse, my best friend, the love of my life. And I can go on and on and on, but you get the point. Her opinion matters. If I'm in relationship with God, we have, he's the husbandman, church is the bride. Hear me. When we have close bonded relationship, he can speak into my life. And I'm going to hear what he has to say. Don't go this way. Go this way. Whereas if you and I are just acquaintances. Yeah, maybe he knows what he's talking about. You know, Kyle told me you couldn't drive the truck without oil in it. But what does he know? He's just a guy I see on Wednesday and Sunday. What's going to happen? I'm fixing to blow the motor up in that sucker. That's what's going to happen. He was trying to give me good advice, but, you know, I only see him a couple times a week. He don't matter. You get the picture? There are certain things that you need God to see into and God to guide you because just because it looks like it fits doesn't mean it's right. Camouflage, blending in, using the things that are natural to hide what is unnatural. There's a little bit of truth mixed with a lie, and a little bit of a truth and a, mixed with a lie is still a lie. What did he tell him? The serpent told him, the day you eat of the fruit, you're going to be like God's. You're going to know good from evil. He wasn't lying in that. What he failed to tell them was God's creation was never to know evil, only good. Because a few verses later, when the Lord goes down and looks at the earth, it says men's hearts were full of evil exceedingly. What happened? When sin came in, when evil came in, when, when, when the knowledge of the wrong came in to what was only supposed to know good, it corrupted it from, the, from its head to its toes. But when it initially started, it mixed just a little bit of truth with a lie. And you can never, it's either all the truth or nothing at all. Now, 
decoys. I like decoys. I've got some at the house that spin. They look like a bird flying. I've got some of these that are full bodies. They stick out. I've got different species because I'm after anything I can get. I grew up with a papaw that fished all the time, and our motto was this. We didn't call nothing, baby. If it had two eyes and a tail, it went in the icebox. Catch and release was not, was, uh, it was released into the grease. We had no call factor. You need to understand something. Your enemy has no call factor. Doesn't matter if you're white, Latino, Filipino, Asian, doesn't matter. He wants a soul. I will create an environment. I, I want whatever I can get. Kyle, I took whatever I could get this year. That's an inside joke. We've had a rough year. <laughs> but I like, I like decoys because it allows me to build an atmosphere and an environment that looks to be a place that you want to come hang out. I've hunted in areas where we would have a thousand of these on, on the water because we wanted it to look like there was a party going on. Why? Because I want to lure you in. I want to pull you. You need to understand something. Your adversary is very, 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 very good at creating an atmosphere that looks legit, that feels legit, that sounds legit. But when you get there and the mask is unveiled, it's nothing like what it looked like. What does the scripture say about the adversary? Know you not that your adversary goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, we're talking about overcoming temptation, and i got to hurry. Joshua chapter 9, you find the Gibeonites coming to Joshua. They come, they show up, and they're there, and, and they're right next door to the children of Israel. The children of Israel coming in, they're killing everything in the land of Canaan. And the Gibeonites said, you know what? We're going to have to do something. We're going to have to come up with a clever idea here so that we can, we can get out of being destroyed. So what they did was they took and they put old garments on. They took old wineskins. They put on old shoes and they went dirty and in and, and old clothes. And, and, and they came to, they took molded bread and they came to the children of Israel and they said, Listen, we are from a far country. Look at our clothes. Look at our wineskins. These were new when we left home. They've worn. Look at our shoes. We're worn down. They told him, they said, look at, the, look at the bread that was hot in our ovens when we left. It's molded now. Now, here's what we're asking. We come from a very far away land, and all we're asking that you would do is you would make a league with us, that you would make a treaty with us, that you will not destroy us, but you'll let us live. And the word of the Lord says this of Joshua, that he made a league with them, and he never sought counsel from the Lord. Why? Because it looked legit. It sounded legit. But it was anything but. 
And when the children of Israel found out that they had made a league with, their, with, the, with a tribe that was next door to them, they were grieved, but they swore by the Lord. They couldn't break their oath. What I'm telling you is you have to be careful what environment you entertain yourself in. From social media to what you interact with. Let me, let me just break this down for you. I don't care if you've lived for God for 50 years. If God delivered you from being an alcoholic, you don't need to be going around and hanging around your old drinking buddies when they're popping tops sitting on the back of their car or sitting on the tailgate of their truck. Well, what are you talking about? I'm trying to witness. I'm trying to reach. No, you're putting yourself in a very dangerous environment. Well, I'm Holy Ghost filled, and I've been baptized in the name of Jesus. You're also still flesh, Bo. The things that you struggle with, avoid that environment. I'm going to have to hurry. See, how, how am I doing on time? I don't have my, okay, I got seven minutes. I'm going to briefly touch on this. The adversary is really good. I said before, I use calls. The adversary is really good at creating a sound that's pleasing to your ear. Delilah would tell Samson, I want to know where your strength is, baby cakes. And the moron would tell her something. And then she would do exactly what he told her was going to happen. You know, if you, uh, if you braid my hair into seven locks, I'll be just like any other man. Moron goes to sleep. He wakes up. His hair is braided in seven locks. If you bind me with green wrists, I'll be just like any other man. How could you be that dumb? Because she was whispering in his ear, sweet nothings. She, she knew the sound to make. And he'd become putty in her hands. There is a sound that your adversary knows how to make that will touch the very core of your being. You need to be careful what you allow yourself to hear. Because it's all designed to get a hook in your spirit. I'm, with, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm throwing random stuff out here. I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I don't want you to think that. But I just, I want to talk about where we live. Is that okay? If you and your, your spouse have struggled with you being faithful to her or vice versa, the last thing you need to be doing is listening to music that promotes affairs. You don't need to be reading material that talks about somebody going out and having an affair. You're allowing a voice to call to you. Real quickly, four ways on how to overcome temptation. Number one, avoid environments where you are easily tempted. It's pretty simple. 
if I know this is a bad area for me, I'm going to stay out of it. It may not be something that, I'm, that my pastor is going to label as a sin. But if it takes me down a road that brings me to a place where I know I can't, I can't go there. Stay away from it. Avoid it. Don't be around it. Number two, when you're facing temptation, get away quickly. I like the story of Joseph. Joseph is a slave in Potiphar's house. He's taking care of his master's house. And even as a slave, he's devout and devoted to Potiphar, and he lives with integrity. And when Pharaoh's wife tries to get him to come in and have an affair, he, puts, he pushes her back, he avoids her. But the day comes when she puts him in a place, and what does he do? He runs. I've said this before, you've heard me say this, and I'll probably say it again. Samson was the strongest man in the world, yet he couldn't handle the lust of the flesh. Solomon was the wisest man in the world. Wrote about the strange woman that the word says of Solomon, he loved many strange wives. And they pulled his heart toward idolatry. Ladies and gentlemen, there are some things that you are not strong enough, nor are you smart enough to handle. You need to run away. Joseph would run from Potiphar's wife. He was picking them up and setting them down. Number three, I can overcome temptation by replacing tempting thoughts with God's word. When Satan came and he began to try to pull and he began to try to, to tempt Jesus, every time, what did the master come back with? Scripture. Why? Because it was ingrained in who he was. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When stuff starts coming in at me and it's, it's bombarding me, the word always has power. The word needs to become part of you. It needs to roll out of you. You need, and I'm not, I'm, if you're new at this, the, one of the best things you could do is start just absorbing the word. You get the word inside of you. You pray the word. You read the word. You live the word. Talk the word. And finally, prayer. Prayer. Because when you begin to pray, I begin to humble myself. And I begin to open a channel that his voice can speak into my life. I want to beware of the snare of the fowler. I want to beware because I don't want to be so weighted down that I can't soar. I don't want to wind up being so blinded that my eyes have been sewn shut because I didn't pay attention and see the signs.
pastor said this years ago, and it stuck with me. He said, you're most, he taught on a Wednesday night, one of the, I'm going to brag on you for a minute. I know you've preached camps. I know you've preached big meetings, and you're a phenomenal preacher. But you taught on a Wednesday night here on temptation. And you said that most people are vulnerable to temptation when they're tired, when they're mad, when they're bored, and when they're lonely. That has stuck with me. If you're struggling with something, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. Don't get bored or lonely or sad and entertain that. Put your guard up in those times. I want to overcome. I want to see you overcome. And hear me. You're not fighting anything that hasn't already been put under the blood and defeated. You can overcome your stumbling block. You can overcome the thing that tempts you the most. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, I love you and I thank you for your goodness and mercy. I'm asking that you would go with us today, that you would watch over us. I pray, Lord, that your word would reside in our hearts, that it would take root, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Thank you for being at First Word. We're going to take a 10-minute break and then kick our service off.